Hollywood Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And I'm sure you know by now that Christian Cage is all elite. And it's Friday, which means it's time for Duff McKagan's joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. Hey, listen, I was going to write a joke about that boat stuck in the Suez Canal, but that ship has sailed. Thank you very much. Goodbye. That's a good one. Duff is on top of the news of the day. Would expect that. I'm sure you guys are laughing too. I love Duff and thanks to him for delivering without fail every single Friday. And thanks to everyone who joined the Winnipeggers last night for another hilarious, ridiculous live show. The April Fool Improv Invitational with special guests Teddy Irvin and Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong. And of course, Dave and Ribo and I uh, did some improv comedy, uh, drew some pictures, uh, did some singing competitions. It's ridiculous. If you didn't see it last night, it's fine. You can find it forever on my Facebook page and my YouTube channel. And we'll be back with a new Winnipeggers episode next Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Again, that's my Facebook page and my YouTube channel. Uh, go check it out now. All right, let's go to today's guest. As I mentioned, Kristen Cage is all elite. He was the surprise contract signing at the AEW Revolution pay-per-view. He just had his first match on Dynamite this past Wednesday. He got in the ring with Frankie Kazarian, had a great match. It had been seven years since he was forced to retire from wrestling due to concussion issues. You hear all about his long journey back to pro wrestling, including his surprise appearance at this year's Royal Rumble and why he didn't stay with WWE. He talks about the conversations he had with John Moxley, Tony Khan, that made him decide to come to AEW, how he was able to keep his debut a surprise, why outwork everyone is more than just a catchphrase, and what he hopes to accomplish in this final chapter of his in-ring career. We talk about our own wrestling history when we are tag partners at WWE, our main event match at WrestleMania 20. So much to talk about with uh, one of my best friends in the business, Christian Cage, returning to talk as Jericho right now. So a lot of surprises here in, in AEW, and it was kind of a one-two punch because it was the, uh, the, the surprise announcement that Paul White was coming to AEW, which I yeah. did know about, and then the surprise announcement of Christian Cage yeah. coming to AEW, which I did not really know about, which is funny because... <laughs> Still one of my closest friends yeah. in the business. <laughs> Sorry to do it to you. It was, yeah. And the funny thing is I was at your house like yeah. uh, a couple months previous. It's so weird, right? How sometimes like, like you said, you're, you're one of my best friends, not only in the business, but like in life. In life, yeah. But like somehow through the craziest craziness of this past year, you know, you just kind of not lose touch, but it's like, you know, t- a text lose here. contact. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and you're, you're working still and like. It was, you know, and I was in, in my head trying to get ready to come back, which like maybe a couple people knew about. And, but when we were sitting out there talking and, you know, you had asked me straight up at that point, you know, we were, we were talking a lot about AEW and just the business in general and things like that and just catching up like we, like we do. And you had, um, asked me, Hey, do you ever get thinking about coming back? Could you get cleared? And I kind of lied to you. I said, no, I don't. But <laughs> this was the reason why. And I talked to you about this after was I had gone on my own and done the testing, but I hadn't gone to Pittsburgh and done the other portion of the testing that would legitimately get me cleared. And I didn't want to jinx it and be like, yeah, I'm coming back and then go up there and I fail it. And they're like, no, you can't come back. And then it's like, I kind of look like an idiot. Right. right? So it's like, and also it's like, oh, if I just don't tell anybody, if nothing happens, I'm really like, you know, it was just one of those things where I didn't want to jinx it in a sense. I'm very uh, superstitious that way. Well, it's funny because your name had come up a few times just, you know, when we're putting together our, our, the, the new company and then we had kind of the core guys. And then once it became a thing, you know, we were able to, you know, we had Moxie come jump aboard and then, yeah. you know, and, and, and 
Matt Hardy comes and FDR comes and there's always, you know, always an eye out and there's always certain guys and one of them was Christian. Like, I wonder what, what he's got going on. Yeah. And like you said, time flies so much and when you're not on the road together, like we hadn't seen each other, I don't think, for like almost two or three years or at least hung out. It had been at least a year at least or a year, year and a half. Yeah. Hung out yeah. and, and had, a, had, a, had a meal or a drink or whatever. And it's funny how um, the moment you see each other again, it's like not a day like, has passed. Like I saw you the day before. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So when we were talking, I was like, I wonder what's going on with him because you you're, look like you're in great shape. You never change. I mean, you mm. look pretty much exactly the same as you did 10 years ago. Yeah, well, I'm actually in better shape now, I think, than I was 10 years ago, to be honest with you. And But that year and a half, I didn't see you. I was not in good shape. Right. And like I said, this year, the, the year was tough on everybody, but it was like, I was happily living that retired life, you know, and, and had you it's not actually that I, accepted like I'm retired. Yeah, I a hundred percent in my head thought that I was retired and, you know, you're always trying, you know, you always, you know, for all those years you're at barbecues and you're at family functions or whatever it is. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you know, I'll just, I just got to eat the grilled chicken breast and a salad. And, you know, everybody else is eating like double cheeseburgers and sausages and cake and you're just like your mouth's watering and you're like well or you're not even at the barbecues at all because you're working right so it was like it was one of those things where i said when i retire when i legit retire you know i'll always work out and all those sorts of things because i enjoy doing it it's kind of an escape right but it's um i'm going to uh enjoy these other things like i'm I'm not gonna i'm just gonna eat what i want and those and all that kind of stuff so what i want it's what i want stuff (laughs) (laughs) but but I, so I was doing that and, but like when the, when the whole lockdown thing happened, you know, the gyms shut down and I just kind of stopped working out, you know, I had some, some like resistance bands and I was doing some half-ass like resistance band workout in the, in the garage, maybe go for a run here and there. But like anybody, you kind of go into a little bit of, um, yeah, I mean, a I mean funk, yeah, a little yeah. funky, like you can't do anything. Yeah. And um, I would start going, doing walks around my neighborhood in the evening just to get out of the house, you know, like with headphones on and listen to music and just mm-hmm. go for a little stroll around the neighborhood or whatever. And, but yeah, so when it came around that I, that I was really going to try this or when I got that clearance, I was like, man, I better, I better put the work in here. Like I can't just go to either WWE or AEW and say, Hey, guess what? I got cleared. If you give me a job, I'll get back then in get shape. shape. Yeah. yeah right. You gotta, you gotta do the work first and Hey, this is what you get, mm-hmm, you know? That's right. So it, it's, uh, it's, so I, I was looking at it from that, that mentality. I kind of invested in myself and my health, uh, from that moment going forward. What was it just to kind of, uh, refresh the memory? What was it that had, that caused you not caught? I know like you got the match, not the match, but what was it exactly the way you had to retire head trauma? Yeah, it was concussions, concussions. and it was just kind of, I guess the, the frequency at the time that I was getting them and, yeah, I, I, and I just think that because there was so much in the media and, and so much of that stuff going on, that uh, maybe there was they were being a little bit overcautious with right. with how it was being handled. And and I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe I didn't get enough time to um, fully rest after that kind of last one. Before I, I'm not I'm not sure exactly how it all worked, and I can't look at it that way anyway. Like I, I know that that you know WWE had my best interest in mind mm-hmm. at that time. I I, I get that and but they medically disqualified me and that's what it was. And I didn't question it. You know, obviously I, um, I, I wanted, I want to have a long fruitful life and wanted to be able to, uh, to communicate with my daughter and have conversations with her when she got older. So I wasn't going to try and push it, although it never really sat right with me the way that it ended. So 
I just kind of accepted it as, as what it was and said, okay, what's the next chapter in my life? And I just kind of moved on and started doing these other things to keep busy and try to find that creative outlet because, you know, we're creative people, sure. you know, we're artists and we, and we, and we want to create and you just find other outlets to, to do that. And that's what I tried to do and was, you know, was pretty successful at and, but you know, in the back of my mind, I'm a wrestler. You know, it's what I feel like it's what I was born to, to, to do. And it was hard for me even like to, to kind of get back in it as far as, you know, people ask me, why weren't you an agent? Why aren't you a producer? You know, you have so much to get back. It's hard to get that close to it when it was taken away it was from taken you. Away from yeah. me. You know, it was hard to get that close. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't your decision. Yeah. And, and I think that if I, if it was my decision and it was like, Hey, this is my time to step away, it would have been easier to step into that kind of role. And, um, you know, I never minded having conversations with, with anybody or anybody wanted to call or talk or, or mentor anybody or help anybody with advice or anything like that on matches and things like that. My, they could always call me, but like, I was not one of those things where I actively wanted to go and like sit in meetings and, mm. and do that kind of thing and just get myself that close to it. It's interesting because around the same time frame, Daniel Bryan goes down, Edge goes down and, and you and Edge have such parallel lives and yeah. careers. It's, it's so funny. And all three of you, I mean, Dan, uh, Brian came back a few years ago, but the same thing, you can never come back. And suddenly he goes above and beyond to come back. And then right. you and Adam do the same thing. Right. Well, Adam's injury was different than, than myself and, and, and Daniel Bryan's. And, you know, I had a couple conversations with, with Daniel about, about it. But, you know, also, you know, I'm not, I think he's probably, what, 10 years younger than me, I would say. Probably at least a good seven for sure. You know, so yeah. I was like thinking, too, like I was about to turn 40 when it happened. And, you know, I'd kind of accomplished everything at that point in time that I wanted to accomplish except headline WrestleMania. And, you know, Dan Brown was just kind of starting on his journey, right. you know, to, you know, at that point in time. So it's probably easy, uh, harder for him to accept that it was over mm -hmm. at that point in time, being as young as he was. Whereas for me, I was a lot closer to the finish line or so I thought at that point. Right. And so I just kind of, like I said, accepted it for what it was. And then when I went back to do the unsanctioned match with, with Randy this past summer, it was one of those things. You're on the non-contact list, so we need to be careful of this. You need to be careful of that. You can't have this kind of contact, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, really? Am I that fragile? Like, I feel great. Mm, like, right. Like, I, why is this such a, an issue? And then I just started thinking, like, well... Well, Adam got cleared. I know it's a different injury, but like this was neck related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like he never thought he was going to be able to come back. Mm -hmm. What? Who's to say that they won't clear me at this point in time? It's been seven years, so I made my own appointments and just went on my own and figured if I go and they they tell me that I'm they think I can do this, then I've opened up doors. And if they say nope, you probably you should probably stay retired. Then I'm in no different situation than I was when I woke up in the morning. So. That's what I did. I, I, um, I went to the University of South Florida and saw a specialist there. And I went through the physical training, went through the, um, the testing on the computer. and, and With the shapes and the yeah, concussion all testing. Yeah, all those sorts of things. And they even said that the testing had advanced some, since obviously, since, since I took it last. And when I sat in with the doctor after I did all the tests, and he, he was like, man, your test scores were great. You did. You were average or above average on everything. Mm. You didn't fail. You weren't below average on on any of these scores. Your physical tests were great. So let's have a conversation. So we started talking, and you know, we got. I just kind of eventually we got to the point. Like he asked me, "What is it that you want to do?" And I said, "I would like to go back and finish my career on my own terms, but I'm obviously not going to do it if it's going to put my health at risk." Right. And he said, "I don't. I think you can do this." I don't think you're you're thinking rationally at all. 
like from everything that we've talked about, all these test scores, everything's laid out here. You can do this if it's what you want to do. And that was like, wow, like, I mean, pretty surreal moment. Mm -hmm. And so I walked out of there feeling pretty good about myself and then realizing, well, now the work has just kind of started because I need to get back in shape here. So I hired a, a nutrition company here in, in Tampa called Nutrition Solutions. Mm -hmm. And I th it's funny because I thought I knew something about dieting and I really knew nothing. And uh, Chris Cavallini, who who owns Nutrition Solutions, uh, well, yeah. yeah, Edge had put me in touch with him and we had had some conversations. And, you know, he was like, I'd never met him. And he's like, well, what kind of shape are you in? I was like, well, I'm not in like bad shape. I, I said, I guess put it like this. You know, if you're at a, a dad's pool party. I might have the best dad bod at the pool party, <laughs> you know, or at least top three. <laughs> so he was like, <laughs> so he was like, uh, he's like, all right. So um, I just explained to him what I, what I was looking to do, and then he started, you know, kind of piecing together a little meal plan for me and when to eat and, and the portions and all that sort of thing. And and it just he he couldn't drill this into my head more. Consistency is the key. You just have to be consistent. So I was like, all right, and. From that moment on, I was I was sold. Actually, not from that moment on, because we had that conversation, and then I was like, I was passing a Five Guys burger joint. I stopped and got a double cheeseburger because he's like, "You're starting tonight," and I was like, "Well, I better get this cheeseburger out of my system now." So I did that, and then, uh, so then, uh, yeah, I, he had he had meals delivered to me that afternoon, and and we we kind of went went from there, and uh, so from then, you know, you're in the middle of this pandemic, and you know, they just kind of started opening the gyms again, and I went to the gym with a mask on, but I was, I was super yeah. paranoid. Like I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't concentrate on working out. I was too um, nervous of people getting like too close to me. Right. I, I felt like I was always looking over my shoulder and I just, I was like, I can't work out like this. I, I need to do something else. So I built just a tiny gym in my garage, just put minimal equipment in there and just went back to basics and started doing basic movements. And in the summertime in Florida, in that garage, it was oh, yeah. over a hundred degrees and I was yeah. sweating and it was almost like mentally preparing myself, like to just get in that zone where you're just, it's kind of a fight with yourself, a struggle with yourself. And that's kind of how I was looking. It was like me versus that heat. And that's how I would stay out there and finish these workouts. And, and I just loved it. I really enjoyed the solitude of just going in my garage and working out alone and just focusing on getting back and like nobody kind of knew this. And it was I, I don't know. I just, it was something, it was, it was exciting to me that what the possibilities, what doors could open up from this. And it just made me go out there every day and just bust my ass and put the work in. So, um, I did that for months and, uh, just kind of went from there. All right. So we'll talk more about the unsanctioned match against Randy or Orton from last summer. But first you've been talking about how you change your fitness and nutrition to get ready for AEW. I've changed up my nutrition, uh, the last few months as well. I've added athletic greens to my daily routine, super easy, delicious, and something you guys can do for your own health and wellness right now. You just mix up an Athletic Greens nutritional drink like I do every morning, drop one scoop of their superfood powder into a glass of water, stir it or shake it up, and then drink it down. And in that one glass, you get 75 vitamins, minerals, and the whole food source ingredients that they include. It's uh, that whole food source ingredients that gives Athletic Greens its great taste. You'll taste the pineapple, which I love. It's not really sweet. It doesn't mess with my stomach. Drink athletic greens on an empty stomach now so that your body can really absorb all the nutrients. I've been drinking athletic greens for a couple of months and one glass a day increases my energy and focus, helps my digestion and gut health and gives my immune system a boost. You can drink athletic greens even if you're eating keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. It's got less than one gram of sugar. It's a win-win all around. 
And right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting our immune systems. They're offering a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. With your first parachus at athleticgreens.com slash Jericho, you'll never have to buy vitamin D again. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health, let Athletic Greens help you invest in your energy, your immunity, and your gut health. It's an easy, tasty, and efficient way to get healthy. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Jericho. Make a daily commitment for your health. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Jericho. Get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs at athleticgreens.com slash Jericho. Go do it now. Just to, to go back to what you said with the unsanctioned match yeah. with, with Randy, that was on Raw what, a year ago, whatever it was, or whatever. It was the summertime, yeah. So so, summertime. Did that give you any type of inspiration and motivation? Because that did a really big number. It did. A yeah. big rating. It, well, it was part of it as well. And then after when, when you know, I saw that the rating was, I think it was at the time it was the best rating they'd done since the post-WrestleMania Raw or something like that. And I was like, and this wow. is where you were supposed to have a match against Randy. Right, yeah. And, and they built it up all the show. Yeah. And then he beat on you. I was like, man, people like were really interested to see if I was actually going to have a match. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, ah, then I kind of let them down by not, by not really having, a having a match, you know? And it was like, not that it was, it was a really cool angle and like it was, it, it served its purpose and did what it was supposed to do for Randy and Edge. But at the flip side of that is, people would be, obviously be excited if I came back. Mm. So that coupled with the the other things that we talked about earlier really made me want to go and and do this. It's it's funny talking about being on the no contact list and, and people that don't know is there's kind of a list of everybody who's on the roster. Mm. And here's the raw guys. Here's SmackDown. Here's injured. Here's no contact. Yep. And no contact is like Sergeant Slaughter. I remember Mick Foley was on there one yep. time. I remember we had a house show in Rochester. I want he was the ref. And I wanted him to give me the Socko. And they said, he's on the no contact. He can't right. even give me a Socko. Right. No. Yep. It's very, very strict. So like you said, you see yourself on there. Like you're not nothing. I mean, Sarge is probably in his 70s. Mm-hmm. And Mick has been through the wars and is probably 10 right. years older as well. You're probably thinking like, I'm not that fragile. There's, right. there's no way I feel like that. Yeah. That's, and that's exactly what I felt. And that's why I went and did the, the testing and all those sorts of things. And then, yeah. you know, I, I, I brought it to, to WWE's attention that I was – had got this clearance and obviously they were they're very excited about it and um was told they wanted to keep it close to the vest Mm -hmm. quiet and quietly sent me up to pittsburgh i believe in was it october and yeah towards the end of october they sent me up there and um same thing i just went through um, the test with dr maroon and those yeah but it was it was more it was a harder test it was more thorough test and it was probably about five hours long to be honest, wow. yeah, and I saw about three or four different specialists for different things. Went through, did a full like in the gym work, like physical workout. Uh, so it was very, very thorough. And the doctor said the same thing as the doctor here at uh, USF said, exact same thing. But one thing I found interesting that he said was, "Did you find yourself when you were getting concussed more? Did you find yourself?" getting anxious and thinking about it a lot. And I said, of course, yeah. I was like, you're wondering why this is happening to you. And uh, he said, I need you to stop thinking about concussions. And he said, if you, if, if you have that anxiety and that fear, you're making yourself more susceptible mm-hmm. to it, which I didn't even realize. Wow. He said, you need to go step in that ring with no fear. And you need to step in there with the realization that 
you're at no greater risk now than you've ever been at any point in your life of getting a concussion. Could you get another one? Sure, but you're not at any greater risk than you were at any other point in your life. Gotcha. So go in there with every confidence that you're going to be fine. Because if you go in there with that anxiety and that fear, you're making yourself more susceptible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all I had to hear. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, it's surprising to me that, that then now that you're cleared and you're 100% and you get brought back into the Royal Rumble, mm. but you're not on paper, as we say. You're not under contract. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that was kind of a, a misconception for a long time that I was, because I had done so much stuff with WWE still. and Fox. Fox and yeah, well, I had the Fox deal was a separate deal from gotcha. the WWE. And, and, uh, but I, I'd always just kind of been around and done different things. Yeah. And I was, I was just kind of on a nightly. They paid for the nightly. Yeah, yeah. I was never under a contract. So I just think that maybe because I was still always around that people just assumed that that was the case. And, but yeah, obviously it wasn't. So. So tell us about the Royal Rumble then. How did that come about? Yeah, so the um, so I'll backtrack a little bit more, even kind of even going back further. So when I got that clearance, like I said, mid-pandemic, everything shut down. Adam had a ring up at his house in North Carolina. And so I talked to him and I said, hey, why don't I just drive up there for a few days and I'm going to get in the ring to see how I feel. And this is before I even really started working out. Like literally I just got my clearance like a week or, mm-hmm. or two before. So I went up there and I got in the ring for about 45 minutes to an hour. Just the two of you guys or by yourself? No, uh, Adam was hurt. So it was uh, myself and Beth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Beth was beating me up. And so uh, I didn't, we didn't really do a match or anything like that, but I just took some bumps and just hit the ropes and just kind of rolled around and did a few things, just got the feel for it. And I was like winded and sore and banged up. And like my body, like just from that, that you know, not your body kind of builds up like a, um, like a callus? Yeah, callus, you know, from, from, from all that repetition of, of taking bumps and things like that. And all that had been gone, for obviously, for not, for not doing it for seven years. So my neck was sore. My shoulders were a little sore. Um, felt it for, for a little while after. And then I started on the, the, the training and the diet. And my, in my head, I was like, I, I'm not going to get back in the ring because I need to get myself physically where I want to be. And if I'm in the ring, I risk, you know, jamming a shoulder or getting hurt. And that sets the other part back. So why don't I get myself in the place physically where I want to be and then I'll have plenty of time to get back in the ring and, you know, I'll probably have like maybe a month or two months notice and I can just get in there at that point, just get the reps in, right? So I was solely focused on on getting back in shape, not so much the in-ring part. So all these months pass and yeah, we get through the holidays and... I'd heard a little bit of, of um, a rumbling of maybe something in the rumble, but then like, no, it's not going to happen. And that was probably a month out. So just didn't really think about it again. And then, yeah, the, 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 the rumble was on the Sunday night and Friday night, about 7.30 PM, I get a phone call uh, saying, we don't think there's a big enough surprise in this rumble. Would you want to come back and do it? And I thought about it for like a second and all the things kind of go through your head. Well, you know, I don't have any kind of deal or anything like that. And it's like, ah, you know what? I've always bet on myself anyway. And, um, I hadn't literally legit hadn't been in the ring since June mm. in Adam's when I was edges place. And, and before that it had been seven years. Jeez. So I was like, well, hopefully it's like riding a bike and I'll just pick it right <laughs> back up. So, <laughs> so what I did was, and then they had, you know, they obviously have rings backstage at, at the, you know, at different areas yeah yeah, so i was like maybe i'll be able to sneak in in a ring and just hit the ropes and this and that and like but there was people in those rings all day so i couldn't even do it because i'm surprised right so legit i didn't get changed till like the match before the rumble was in 
And I got changed, walked out, and everybody in the hall was like, oh, my God. Is the one where you're hiding in the bus or something? I know I wasn't even in the bus. Yeah, I was just there hanging out for the day because it was not un- un- oh, it was, it's not out of the realm of possibility for me to be around. there. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I was there like three weeks previous doing some stuff for the network. So gotcha. it's not like I, I, I'm not around. So people are used to seeing me around. And then, oh, we're going to see you tonight as a guy. And then they're like kind of laugh it off, you know, and then, you know, walk out. You always change by yourself like in a shower <laughs> or something. <anyways. laughs> so they're so – uh, um, so I walk in number and said, like, oh my God. And then, uh, so when the match actually started, I knew I'd have about 40, 45 minutes before I had to be in there. I got in the ring, hit the ropes about five oh. times, took about five bumps just to get, just to get that shock, that yeah, initial yeah, shock yeah, yeah, in yeah. your system. And I was like, all right, that's, that's going to have to do it. Wow. So, and then I went out there and did it. And, um, how was it for you going out there? Uh, uh, hadn't been in the ring seven years and you go out in front of cyber fans in the Thunderdome. Well, it was obviously not the same, yeah. but it was still cool because you could still see faces on the here you can more so see faces on the screen than you could with a live crowd oh i see you you know because uh but there's noise and and you could see the reactions of the people on the screens which was cool um it was definitely you know i had done a couple things in the performance center obviously with that unsanctioned match where it's super weird where there's nothing there and it's strange (laughs) but the it was as good of environment as you possibly could put without an actual crowd being there so I appreciated that. And it, it was a good feeling. Like, it mm. felt great. Mm. And um, I thought I was going to be nervous before I walked that curtain. I stood there, and I was cool as a cucumber, man. Like, I was, like... All comes back. I was like, a, I was born to do this. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, there's, nothing to, there's nothing to be nervous about. Like, I put the work in, to, uh, other than getting in the ring. But <laughs> it was like, it was like, yeah. I, and it wasn't like going out and having a singles match. You know, the Rumble, it's a, it's a different kind of animal. So went out there, and thankfully... It went good and, and it got a lot of positive feedback. People saying, you know, you look like you never missed a step, which was great. And that gave me some more confidence and just kind of uh, rolled from there. Did you talk to, was Vince there that day? He was not there that day. Did yeah. you ever see him? I never saw him again after that. No. Wow. Yeah. Let's get to your journey to AW. We'll talk about how that happened. After I wish a happy birthday to Tommy John. It was exactly 13 years ago this month that Tommy John started making the world's most comfortable underwear. I know because I wear them daily. Talk about a life-changing event. If you're not on board with Tommy John, this is your opportunity. Trust me, you're going to want to get on board because once you try a pair of Tommy John underwear, you will be thanking them and raising a glass in their honor every April along with me in honor of their uh, starting of this company because Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. They have marks for Tommy John. I'm a mark for Tommy John underwear, uh, believe me. And so are the tens of thousands of happy people who've left five-star reviews for Tommy John. The most comfortable underwear ever. Tommy John is breathable. Lightweight moisture wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. What's not to love? Do yourself and your junk. Keep it clean. A favor and get a pair of Tommy John underwear. Everything stays in place. No more flopping, sticking, or chafing. Just pure comfort. Tommy John underwear also has a non-rolling waistband for the perfect fit. The legs never ride up either, and you're covered with the Tommy John best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free, guarantee. And with 13 million pairs sold, with probably about a dozen of those sold to me, uh, trust me, it'll be the best money you've ever spent when it comes to underwear. I'm going to make it real easy for you to try Tommy John underwear right now, because you can get 20% off your first order at TommyJohn.com slash Jericho. That's 20% off loungewear and underwear at TommyJohn.com slash Jericho. That's TommyJohn.com slash Jericho. 
do it for yourself and wear the best underwear that I've ever worn in my life. And that's a Chris Jericho guarantee. All right, Christian Cage, how does your journey lead you to AEW? Well, I was kind of, it's funny because, you know, I'm, I'm obviously, we just talked about it, close friends with you and, and you, when I was at your place, we were talking a lot about the business and you were talking to me a lot about AEW and your experiences there and with Tony and, and the young roster and just the, the, you know, the differences, you know, there's differences. And, and Moxley is also a very good friend of mine. And he and I had been chatting, especially after Rumble, we, we talked a lot and you know, he was right. He's, he's a smart guy. Yeah. He's a really smart he guy. He chooses his words yeah. wisely yeah. too. And, um, he's not there just saying yeah. stuff to hear right. himself talk. And so he kind of said to me, he's like, Hey man, he's like, you're, you hold all the cards here. You know, you're a free agent. And he's like, you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you don't explore all your options. Like why not have at least have a conversation with Tony while you can. Right. Which makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? This is the last chapter of my career. Like, I should have the best platform for me at this stage. Not only for myself, but to help the next generation step up. And, you know, I don't know everything, but I feel like I know a lot. And I see matches different than other people do, putting matches together and things like that. Maybe some of that knowledge will trickle down as well and give people a different perspective when they're putting stuff together. So where am I, am I going to be able to best pass that on as well as give myself the platform to step up and kind of have this last chapter. And I'd had some talks with WWE um, and things like that. And there was nothing really um, solidified as far as, you know, there were some things batted around just creatively and things like that, but nothing set in stone. Is it with Karana you're talking to? Or no, just, uh, just different people. Up stuff. Writers or whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, I talked to, to, to Bruce quite a bit gotcha. and, and things like that. And I, I did have some conversations with Karano towards the end and uh, very cordial. Everything was, was fine. And I was sitting, uh, after having that, that conversation with John, I was sitting here the next day, just kind of taking in. I just texted him. I was like, you're right. I said, tell Tony if he wants to talk, I'd love to have a conversation with him. And um, an hour later, Tony texts me and like the next day we connected and we talked for two hours. Mm. And during that call, he talked to me and told me all the things that he thought that I could bring to the table and how I could help this show, this company. And I was telling him the things that I thought that I could bring to the table. And we just, the thing that I took away the most more than anything is that he's a genuinely good person. Yes. And I appreciated that so much. Mm -hmm. And that goes a long way with me. So more than anything, he sold me on him as a person. I'd met him the seven, like I'd met him years previous through uh, Chris Nowinski. We had had a dinner one night and, and hung out for three, four hours. And he kind of like, oh, that was that same guy. Yeah. yeah but he was yeah. talking to me about things about my career that I, I don't even remember. This guy's an encyclopedia yeah. of wrestling. Like he, he knows his shit. And so we talked and then he's like, well, give me a couple days and then we'll, kind of reconnect and then so we did that and then we talked again i'm trying to, i can't remember what day of the week that was but then we talked again on a saturday in the afternoon we had a chat and then he's i'll, I'll email you something a little bit later and i was like, okay and then midnight i'm about to get in bed midnight my phone rings and it's tony and i answer and he's like hey man you want to just talk and just like i want you here do you want to be here i was like yeah i do yeah and there's like, let's just get something done then. And we sat there right there on the phone and hammered it out, hammered it out and went to bed and it was done. Yeah. So, you know what I like about Tony and, and cause same thing when I, when I first met him, gosh, two and a half years ago now, whatever it was, 
He's like, yeah, yeah, I met you here, here, here. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I vaguely remember that. But the thing about him is that not only is he an encyclopedia, he's very smart about wrestling. He also does this for a living, put together teams. Right. He did it with Jacksonville. Obviously, he's not the BLN, though, but he has mm-hmm. a lot of say in it. He put together the entire roster of the Fulham Football Club that went from the minor league to the Premier League, yep. which made you know hundreds of millions of right. dollars. Putting together the AEW roster, he has a great crew of like any great football team or hockey team, hmm. veterans, yep. like veterans that have won Stanley Cups and have been there. He's got the guys that are scoring 50 goals a year at the peak of their career. He's got the guys just underneath that are ready. He's got the rookies, and he's got the great minor league system right. ready to pull guys. He's really built that well. Hmm. And when people originally would say, oh, he's just a money marker, he's not that he's not, at all. He's not a pushover at all. He's if not you a pushover. Ha- if you sit and have a conversation with this guy, with Tony, yeah. He'll tell you exactly what he wants. Yeah. You know, and you can have a conversation with him, but at the end of the day, the decision's his. Mm-hmm. So. And I like that because, yeah. I mean, we come from a place where it's the same, where Vince is the boss, what he says goes, mm. and that's all that matters. They're completely different types of bosses. Right. But the leadership is the same. There's no arguing. Right. If Tony likes it, let's do it. If he doesn't, think of something else. Right. A wrestling company needs that. Yeah. And I think originally in AEW, when the when the mi- mindset was more of like, oh, it's going to be the EVPs and all this stuff, it was kind of watered down a bit. And all the guys will tell you, hey, we'd rather have, have Tony as the boss. Then you don't have to worry about it. Right. You know, what his vision is goes. Yeah. Yeah. Then, like I said, you know, he just, I just liked him as yeah. a person from that from that first conversation. And I knew that I liked him from the years when I ago when I we had met before, but obviously it's different situation now this guy's potentially going to be my boss and but um I, there needed to be the right fit for me at right. this point in time and i felt that, that this was i honestly felt aw was the best fit for me how excited were you when it's the uh you know pay-per-view reveal it's going to be the, this guy tony says one of my favorite wrestlers yeah. of the time which i thought was pretty cool yeah um was that like was that a nerve-wracking thing or were you just ready to go yeah i mean uh, i was and you know we we had had some discussions about how it was going to go down and um when he and I had talked, we kind of had talked about it being a surprise and having that kind of element of just, you know, kind of showing up and surprising everyone and, and doing it that way. And, you know, it's funny on that, on the Wednesday on Dynamite, when Big Show made that announcement, I wasn't signed yet. Oh. <laughs> and like, we had talked about it, but the, like, you know, the, it actually wasn't physically signed deal at that point in time. So, but like, like we just talked about, you know, there's benefits of doing it both ways. At the end of the day, Tony's a promoter. And he has to promote his pay-per-view coming up. So I get it in that why he went the, the direction that right. he did. All I can do is trust Tony's vision and what he wanted. And Tony is a very passionate guy about every single performer on his roster. Absolutely. He cares about every That's single true. person. So he's not going to try to put anybody um, in a bad spot coming in uh, by any means. So I trust his vision. And this is what it's but like. You know, people, like I know there was a little bit of kind of like, Oh, you know, the surprise and this and that. Oh, it wasn't well, The Rock. Yeah, it wasn't The Rock or it wasn't Goldberg or, or like what. that one. It's going to yeah, be The Rock. Or whatever. But it, it, and here's the thing, too, right? John Cena. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's any secret that wrestling fans are very opinionated. And when you sure. when you light a spark, it turns into a wildfire, right? No matter what. So it doesn't matter who showed up. There was going to be people that were disappointed or whatever. Mm-hmm. When you make that kind of announcement, you're giving people the the option to pick who they who they think it should be or who they want it to be or those sorts of things so um at the end of the day i don't care because i i know once i get in the ring what i'm gonna do sure and uh so i thought it was fine. cool too because i know when we we had sting was a surprise right and the network was like 
don't do that again. We want. Oh, really? Yeah, and that's why that's why Paul White was announced. Oh, wow! On I didn't know that. Social media, because uh, well, there you go. Because yeah. TNT said we don't want surprises. We want to uh, take advantage of the mm-hmm. rating. So I think we had a big surprise. Then we had a, uh, a big announcement. And then we use that big announcement to announce the next big surprise. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know what I mean? I think that's yeah. one of the reasons, too, to kind of spread it out a bit as well. So when you get to, to AW, you have yeah. a couple of promos. And, and uh, I always like asking people this. And obviously, you're very new to the company. But it's been six weeks or like three or four tapings now. Yeah. What are some of the differences that you notice kind of on a backstage level? Well, obviously, it's, it's, it feels like... WWE has their way of doing things, and it works. Absolutely, for them. it's great. We agree and, with that. And I've been there for years, yeah. and I'll have nothing bad to say about my time there, or what they've, what WWE has done for me, or put me in the position to yes. do. But um, it's less. It seemed less hectic to me, and less frantic in a sense. And there was, uh, I felt like the talent were more sure of themselves as performers and what they were going to do. That that was my initial thought. And obviously, it's a very young roster, and um, with a lot of thirst for knowledge, I really, really felt that there was a real thirst for knowledge. And I didn't even think about it because when I first got there that night, I got there very late on the first night. Like I showed up, uh, the pay per view had already started. I went on a bus, and I was sitting there, and Cody was in there, and we were talking. And he's he just goes, "Hey, man, this is a big deal that you're here." Yeah, which it was. It and was, I was like, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it." He goes, "No, because not just for the fans, but for." Everybody in the back here, he's like, you and I, you know, we grew up on Hogan, on Macho Man, mm. on, uh, you know, all the, those superstars yeah. like that. He goes, everybody back here grew up on you. That's right. They grew up on Jericho. <laughs> they, they grew up, you know, so yeah. this is a big deal. When you walk through there, watch their jaws drop. Yeah. That's what's, that's what's going to happen. And I was like, man, I didn't really think about it like that. And that it's humbling. You know, it really is. So it was, it was a cool moment. It's just as a quick say, we hold that thought. Even for us, like I remember one night we were wrestling. It was one of the tape shows, and Jake the Snake was out there watching my match. Right, and I was like, "This is cool." Yeah, like Jake the Snake is watching me work, and he's like, "You know," after he's like, "You did a really good job." So I understand what he's saying, right? Because he's right. Yeah, you know, we still always have the magic of Jake the Snake being there. Yeah, is what we feel like is what those guys might feel like to see you. Yeah, I remember I was we were doing a show in Vegas once, and Nick Bockwinkle walked yeah, up to me, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was like, "He said I'm a really big fan, and I love your promos." I'm a really big fan of yours. And, and, I, voice. and I'm like, just floored. Like, yeah. I was a huge Nick Bonkwinkle fan. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, you know, I'm not, you don't have any idea how much that means to me that you said that. I was like, I actually feel like I've patterned some of my promo style, like, after you. Sure. He was a guy that, in the, in the era of yelling and screaming your promos, he spoke intelligently. Yeah, he right. spoke kind of down to you, which is how he got his heat. And I appreciate that about him. He didn't need to yell and scream to get his point across. So when I had that, and he was like, oh, yeah, he goes, sometimes I would use words and wouldn't even, you know, big words. I didn't even know what they meant. <laughs> but he was a great guy. And that was like one of those kind of cool moments, yeah, too. Idea, right? Yeah. All right. We'll talk about doing promos at AW and what that was like for Christian at first. But somebody else who knows something about cutting a promo, Diamond Dallas Page, he's back again. He knows a lot about fitness and motivation and helping people change their life. And that's all thanks to his DDP yoga program. If you want to see the story of how Dallas started DDP Yoga, then you need to check out the new documentary, Relentless. It's available right now on Amazon Prime. I share more of my own DDP story in the documentary. Uh, He changed my life, no doubt about it. 
And a lot of you longtime Talk is Jericho fans have heard me talking about DDP yoga for years now, but trust me, I can never talk about it enough. It made me healthier than I've ever been. And you all know what it's done for my career, both in Fozzie and in AEW, and that I literally do a, uh, DDP yoga everywhere, I, anywhere I can, backstage at Fozzie, backstage at AEW, in hotel rooms, in my living room, in my front yard. This is a killer workout you can do at your own pace. It's good for any age any skill level. You don't have to be an athlete to do DDP yoga. And Diamond Dallas Page is so sure you'll love his DDPY program. You're going to get 20% off the DDPY app when you sign up for a free seven-day trial. Just download the DDPY app and get started. You'll get access to hundreds of workouts, live workouts from the DDPY Performance Center in Smyrna, Georgia, where we filmed the Judas video, which has just topped 47 million views. And you're going to get some personal motivation from DDP himself. He's very involved with his customers. You can connect a Bluetooth heart monitor to keep track of your workout data. You can stream the app on your TV so you can do the workouts on your big screen. Download the DDPY app today. You can get it on your iOS or Android. I've got it on my iPhone. I put the phone on the floor. I do the DDP yoga uh, workout by looking at my phone. It's very easy to do. Then you can go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho as well to sign up for seven days of free access to the DDPY app. And you can take advantage of 20% off the DDPY app as well. Seven days for free and 20% off the DDPY app right now. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Watch the inspiring story about how Dallas created the DDPY program in the new documentary, Relentless. You need to see this uh, as well as checking out DDPY on the app. You need to go to uh, Amazon Prime and watch Relentless for free. Let Dallas and DDPY change your life like yes for thousands and thousands of people, including Chris Jericho. Get on the path to healthy living. Stay there. Start today at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Go get in the best mental and physical shape of your life and do it now. When you... Uh are walking around backstage because like you said it's interesting because I think people get more of a chance to be themselves right you know um, I remember my first promo and it was actually in Daly's place mm-hmm. we had a like a live fight TV whatever fight for the fallen or whatever we called yeah. it and I had a promo where the hangman and I were going to get in a fight afterwards and I was like okay this is it people say you're a good promo you think you're a good promo prove it. there's now no script <laughs> yeah. anymore for the first time in 20 yeah. years yeah. on TV you're going to go out there with basically nothing yeah. what do you got and afterwards I was like that was really good it was fun right I, it was very fun how was that for you the first because you had a couple backstage promos and yeah. stuff. I'm, sure, I'm assuming there's no script given no. to you whatsoever yeah and then it was there was actually not even any real like direction, direction yeah. yeah so it was um, and I, I felt like strongly just kind of almost like a mission statement you know and that's just kind of how I looked at it. And um, I knew that the the first dynamite that I did where I came out and kind of had that moment with Kenny, I felt like if I said something after, it might take away from that moment because that was a pretty cool effing moment. I don't yeah. know if I can say the F word on it's, this. It's but a, I a dream match per se, right? So it was like, to me, you know, even though like, obviously it's too soon to, to go there and I understand that how it works in AW, and I appreciate the fact that the, the rankings mean something and matter and, and so I wanted to make sure that I referenced mm-hmm. Kenny and that hey I'll see you at some point but I know that I have to get wins right and to me yeah so I wanted to kind of make it like my mission statement as to why I was here what was you know what I was going to bring to the table and 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 all those sorts of things so it obviously was, yeah, it was fun. It was fun to be able to, to, to do that. And like I said, I thought that moment with, with Kenny on Dynamite was really, really uh, a cool moment. 
And uh, it's it, it, another thing that I thought was really cool is when I debuted uh, at the pay-per-view, I probably had about three times the amount of texts than I did when I returned from the Rumble. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. So you know, I, I think that happened with show when 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 Paul White was announced, he had three, four, five times the amount of press than if he would have just come back to WWE. Right. Because you're making a statement. Right. And it's one of those things too. It's another huge indication that our company is gaining ground, and right. people see that. I had so many. Oh gosh, big shows with you guys now. Chris is with you guys now. You guys are getting huge. Because the perception is the reality. You know? Right. Yeah. And I, I like, too, that this company stays the course for, for where yeah. we're going. Right. You know? Don't worry about what, what's happening on the other side. We know where we're, we're headed to. That's right. And, and stay, on, stay, on, stay on course. I really appreciate that. So where did you come up with the thought process of being the workhorse and outwork everyone and that whole gimmick? Yeah. So I don't, I don't think that the workhorse thing is necessarily um, – going to use it as, as a, uh, Nick, a gimmick as a, a nickname, nickname or anything i just wanted to kind of reiterate that hey i'm not coming here to do a greatest hits hit a couple of moves that you know hold my hand up over my eyes look <laughs> for my peeps and call it a night right i'm coming in here to do some of the best work that i've ever done and i've been known as as a workhorse in the past and that's a guy or a girl that goes out there no matter what situation you're in win or lose you bust your ass night in night out no matter what and that's kind of just the, the, the like you're kind of going out there with a chip on your shoulder, something to mm -hmm. prove. To me, that's the definition of a workhorse. And I just kind of wanted to let everyone know I'm coming in here to do this work. But um, you also you also have a, have a talent to have a good match with anybody. Yeah. And when I say that, I'm thinking Mark Henry before the light bulb went on mm -hmm. for Mark. I'm thinking, I remember, th did you even have a good match with Holly once that I thought was good? Yeah. Like, anybody, <laughs> yeah. you put him in there with yeah, him. Yeah, I've, I've had some, I had a, like, even like a kind of a, Really good match with uh, with Yoshi Tatsu on ECW. We had like a two <laughs> yeah, or three yeah. segment match. So Guys that aren't awesome. known for uh, having yeah. barn burns. Yeah, so um, uh, TJ um, Tyson Kidd used to call me the magician. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever I come back, he goes, oh, the magician did it again. <laughs> so, <laughs> that kind of all fits in with that though, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's like I said, it's not something I was trying to hang my hat on or anything, but I wanted to kind of make it known like I'm not coming in here to, to just skate by on – my name and what I've done in the past. I'm you coming, can't. Yeah, I, you and I don't can't. want to. I don't, in I, our company, you can't do that. But I, also my pride won't sure, allow of course, me of course. to do that. Right. You know what I mean? And that was also like this first match with, with Frank Kazarian. Like, Great match, by the way. Uh, thanks, man. I really And, and like I, I wanted to go out there and put some time in and have, a, and have a match, a real match, you know, and just kind of remind people what I can do and what I'm going to bring to the table, and hopefully that was accomplished. Well, it, it definitely was the right guy. And, and like we were talking about earlier, in our company, the first segment usually goes about 18, 19 minutes, and mm -hmm. there's, there's always a match. We rarely have a promo opening. And that match is known as kind of one of the highlights of the show. So to put you on in that segment, you know, it, it just happened a couple nights ago when we aired this, I would assume and, and almost guarantee that it's going to do a great rating because people are going to want to see that, and you deliver with a great match. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you can you just try to control what you what you can control. Yeah, and and when you step through those ropes, I can control everything that happens there. And um, you know, I, I feel like, and the funny thing is too with this match, you know, we're talking about you know come back with the rumble. It was same sort of situation. I still hadn't had a singles exactly. match. Exactly. In you know, I'd I'd been in the ring a couple times since then. I'm complete transparency here. I've been in the ring three times between rumble. And that singles match. The first time I got in for a half hour, hit the ropes, took some bumps. 
Second time, ran some, you know, did a few spots, you know, same thing, took some bumps, did a couple blow up drills. The third time I was in the ring about two hours. It's not the same though. But it's not the same it's as going out. It's not the same as going in and having a match. And once again, now so, we have, because it was a tape show, so now you're out there with just the people in the front row, you know, our talent in the front row. Mm. How was that for you working with nothing? It was fine because I felt like they were... They were loud. I felt like they got like super into the match. Yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't realize this after either, but, um, you know, Justin Roberts texted me with with some nice comments about about the match and that and he said what you couldn't see is that people were coming out of the back to watch it through the curtain live oh, yeah. which it was is a curtain sellout. so that's pretty yeah. that's pretty humbling and pretty cool yeah, i was i was in the back watching so. we were supposed to be filming some stuff like where's jericho I'm like i'm watching christian's match <laughs> and you get to see the finish so they me like he's the shit, yeah, the shit. shit. right i was sitting yeah. right in front yeah. of tony yeah yeah Ixnay on the uh, rich jin k <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right we'll talk about your first aw match which was against frankie Kazarian. it was awesome and we'll do that thanks to another great Talk is Jericho sponsor, Geico. They love music as much as we do, and they also love making life just a little easier for you as well. I know everyone listening either owns or rents a home. I know it's hard work, but you know it's easy. Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy as well. You're putting them all together. That's such a good thing because you already have so much to do around your home. Just go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. All right, go check it out now and bundle those policies. It's so much easier for you mentally and financially. All right, Christian, your first AEW Dynamite match was last Wednesday against Frankie Kazarian. Did you handpick Frankie? Because the match was awesome. It was well. It was funny because um, I kind of had him in my head. Obviously, Frankie and I are, are close friends. Yeah, and we go back a lot of years. We'd had a couple good matches in TNA, and I've always felt like Frankie was an underutilized yeah. guy and never really got his just desserts. You know, um, and to me, I wanted to have one of those matches where it didn't really matter who won or lost. Both guys came out looking yes. better, and I and. To me, there's also that trust factor there where I knew that if he knew that I that this match against me, he'd be extra motivated. It, it motivated me also, obviously, for, for for the reasons of coming back after not having a match for over seven years. I was instantly motivated, but then, yeah. you know, wanting to step up and not let anybody down and to prove Tony that, you know, listen, like, I'll get to it in a second, but I had Frankie forefront in my in my mind. And when I called Tony... And I said, uh, and we talked about it. I was like, I'd, I'm talking about outworking everyone. The work's got to start here pretty soon. Yeah, that's and right. so we decided that we would do something to set the match up, and then we'd have the match to gain a little interest in it. And the first person that he said was, what do you think about Frankie Kazarian? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was thinking that too. Obviously, we had batted a couple other names, and then it came back to Frankie, and then I let it marinate for a couple of days, and I text him. I said, you're right from the start. That's the he's guy. the he's the guy. Yeah, and he just sent me back like a heart like he's, he's response. A big, he's a big yeah. heart guy. Yeah. yeah. So remember when Vince would type yeah. back uh, K or oh check CK check <laughs> Tony so, does the heart. Yeah. So um, and then I didn't even talk to Frankie in between. I showed up that day and it was on. Yeah. You know. So it was uh, it was pretty cool. But like you know after the match it was very emotional for me. You know to do that match like there's a lot of emotion like. Shit, am I really doing this? Mm -hmm. Like, and then I start, years, I start yeah, but then I start going back to you know all the the time of uncertainty, and you know even just knowing that my health was good 
was important for me. Sure. You know, that's important. Let's, yeah. put, the, let's put the the getting back in the ring to the side. That I was going to be healthy for, for my life mm. was was a huge revelation as well. It was great. It was awesome to hear that. And so, getting the physical transformation to get back into my body right, and then being able to step in there and have this match, a real match, a long match, and a competitive match. And I'm my own worst critic, so I won't say anything more about it than that. Uh, but like, I remember going back and just having these emotions, people coming up saying congratulations, and you know, it was very cool to have everybody kind of say their piece after. And Tony was sitting there, and he was the first person that was waiting for me when I came back through the curtain. But then I doubled back to him, and I just kind of said to him quietly, "I said, Tony, I said, like, you signed me basically sight unseen. Yeah, you have no." idea how much that means to me and how hard I will work for you going forward because of that of the chance you took on me and he got up and he hugged me and that was it and that was it so you know it, it, it's it's it, what I was really proud of and I've been in the I never stopped right so I've I morphed my style right using stuff that I learned 90s 2000s to what's going on now right and you didn't do that because you haven't been around for seven years, but your style, which I mean, obviously you could, it, I loved because nobody wrestles like you on our show mm. and that's important. Like you didn't have that seven year period where you're still thinking like the guys do now. And I combined the two, which right. works, mm -hmm. but I love just watching this going, this is great. No dives, not a lot of high spots, but just great wrestling match. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's something I think like, you bring that to the table because you're almost like a time traveler and you understand what I mean. Not like in a outdated way, your style from let's say 2014 from 94 to 14 fits in so great in 2021 because nobody does it. Right. Yeah. You know and, what I'm saying? Yeah. And I feel like I could do the things that are, of course you I mean, could. and, and I will, but, yeah, but it's, but, but, but your style from that makes it completely well, different, which is another reason why it's perfect for our show. Cause we do kind of have a buffet of styles. Right. Yeah. And I think that like, like my style is, and especially at this stage in my career in life and then sitting back and having the luxury of watching how everything goes at yes. this point for seven years. I watch everything. I'm still a fan. Yeah, I watch AW religiously. I, I watch WWE. I watch everything. Mm -hmm. So, for me, we're gonna lock up. That lock up is gonna mean something. Yeah, and it's gonna go from there. Yeah, nothing is gonna be wasted. <laughs> everything is gonna mean something, and that's the mindset that I have, and that's what I'm gonna carry with me. And like I said, if it's something as, as simple as a lock up. That lockup's going to mean a whole lot. But isn't that the way it used to be? That's the way we were trained. The lockup is everything. Right. The lockup is the most important part well, of the match. Yeah, because you're getting them hooked right there. Yeah. Oh, this shit. Is, yeah. This is real. This yeah. is this is legit. These guys mean business. You know. How so. is it for you? Um, and it's 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 actually really cool uh, when when Don started coming. Me me Don. Yeah. And went and hung out for a bit. And it's like Crazy. this is the first time in like you know 25 years we're in a locker room and now you're here. So yeah. it's like. It's Jay, it's Don, it's Lenny, it's it's Chris. It's kind of cool. Like, we did it. You know, after yeah. all these years, now here we are, all of us contributing. Like, freaking Lenny did it again and reinvented himself. Here yeah. we're all contributing in different ways, but contributing to this brand new company after yeah. sitting in a dress room in Morden or anything. Too the funny thing is for me is like, you know, coming in in this situation, and when I first met. Lenny and Don, they were somewhat established as far as Lenny going to Japan. Yeah, yeah. And Don was obviously the they were the vets. Was the yeah. the 
Booker. premier of, of Manitoba, yeah. basically, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, he, he ran the entire province, but, uh, yeah, but he basically ran the promotion and those sorts of things. So I was kind of coming in as a young guy with like four or five matches under his belt and like just wanted to learn and to get some matches and things like that. And like, it's the green guy. And, but now it's like, it's so funny. And then, you know, going on to do what I'd done and then, you know, running into Lenny here and there, you know, when he yeah. was living out West and stuff like that, you'd see him here and there at shows. And then, but to really get to talk to him now and hang out with him yeah. is special to me because yeah, like, you know, you almost lose touch and like almost forget how much he meant to me even as a mentor early on, mm-hmm. like, cause I was in a little group with him and it was like the first chance I really got to do a little tour, do a little thing on, on their local TV. And that was a big deal. Yeah. Four or five matches into your career to be with a guy that had been wrestling in Japan regularly yeah. and has traveled all over and was, you know, um, kind of a journeyman performer, but like a guy that has had built up all this knowledge and internationally and for him to kind of take me in, and I remember talking to him and like sitting in with him when he was putting matches together and things like that. And then we became like kind of fast friends that way. It does mean a lot to me to be able to kind of share this locker room with him at this stage too, because he finally, like he's one of those guys that kind of unlucky his whole career. And now he's finally got this and that's, I'm so happy for him and proud, proud of him for that, you know? And there's a couple guys like, like Eddie Kingston's another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, I love Eddie Kingston, um, man. He's uh, great. Blade Pepper Parks. I yeah. mean, these guys have been around for 20 yeah. odd years and never signed a national. Yeah. I'd never even heard of Eddie Kingston. And it, not because I didn't, I just never ran into his name. Yeah. And then I see this guy, I'm like, where the f has this guy been? Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Like I start seeing, like, oh, this is money, Jericho and Kingston. Or, but you, you know what I love about a guy like Eddie Kingston, too? That, like, this is, this is a guy that the business is basically, you know, was was done with yeah and he forced his way back in that's right and i god i have so much respect for that and um the fact that he still has this thirst for wanting to learn and like this he's been in the business i don't know almost as long as us i don't know exactly how long but it's been a a long time and he's coming up to me like to me and saying hey did you see anything or what can i do if you ever see anything just let me know like and he's a guy that you legit know he means it yeah whereas it's not just lip service like oh i'll go ask the yeah, yeah. The, you know, but meanwhile, you'll he, say the same yeah, to him and yeah, mean it. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. anything I can do. Yeah, so, and like, he doesn't want anything sugarcoated, and I appreciate that about him too. But man, like, man, I just, that guy's passion. I just love that guy's passion. Yeah. And I like being, I, there's something about him. He has this, like, kind of, and when I didn't know him and saw him on TV, you, you don't know because you don't know, yeah. right? But then when you get around, he's like, I like having this guy around. Me too. Like, I like having him around. He just, he's always in a good mood. And that's what, when, I, when I first started, yeah. I said, dude, you're like, you're my new favorite person. Yeah. Where yeah, have you been I, all my life? Yeah, I like him a lot. I really do. So you and I have a huge history. I don't want to talk about a match that I get asked about all the time that I don't really remember much. I'm talking about WrestleMania 20. I want to hear what you remember about that. But before you say anything, let me share this friendly reminder from NHTSA. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late, to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel a little bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks Don't do that ever, because to the naked eye, trains often appear to be further away, moving slower than they are, and they can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brake right away, it can take over a mile to stop. Think about that, over a mile to stop that train. And by that time, it could be too late, and the result could be a potentially deadly crash. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive The train cannot stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it could end in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way, and you just need to remember one thing. Please stop, because trains can't. As we start to wind down, you and I have had such a huge 
history. Yeah. It's funny because there's so many things and moments that we had, but the one that people talk about all the time that I don't know, I, I don't know if I've watched it much or, or just didn't even think about it because we do so much stuff is WrestleMania 20. Yeah. Christian versus Jericho right. WrestleMania 20. They talk about it like it's a, a classic, yeah. and, and I always remember it being good. But I have you watched it recently? Does it hold not, up? Have you ever watched it? I've, like, I've watched it, but I, I would say it's probably been ten years. Since people I've, love that yeah, match. Yeah, I mean, I still see clips of it and people talking about it. Same yeah. thing. And I think it was just more than anything, there was a good story to yeah. to kind of That's right. to latch onto, which made the match more appealing. And obviously, you know, we have a chemistry and with each other as as a team and as opponents we always had that mm-hmm. and i always say this too like adam and i had crazy chemistry to know where the other one was at all times just because we had that as a team and, or as a team yeah. the only other person i ever had that with was you right when we did our tag team thing yeah and i was like wow this is the closest i've ever had to, to the edge and christian thing that and i don't think it'll ever be like that again and it wasn't like no matter mm-hmm. who i team with like that was the closest thing where we kind of were always on the same page, sense, yeah. you know, and it was like one of those things too. Like if you were doing something else, like, Hey, put this together, blah, blah, blah. Cause we were always kind of thinking along the same lines. Right. Yeah. So now I forgot what we were talking about. We're just talking about just the best many 20. <laughs> oh yeah. Of our past. So yeah, I, I haven't, but I, I like, you know, when it's good. Right. And like, man, maybe, maybe we should do a watch along. Yeah, <laughs> That's for your podcast. Idea. We should do a watch along. <laughs> um, because like, like you said, it's funny because, Another thing too, which is rare as well, is that we were really good tag team, we were really good opponents right. too. Yeah. For example, like with Adam and you, I don't know if you ever really wrestled each other much. When you did, it's because you were so locked in. I don't right. know if it was the same. But I didn't wrestle Adam that much. So there you go. So we like had when we both broke, sides when, of the coin. When we know? broke up, we had a couple matches, and then we had a match later on, years later, on Raw, and then it was like, man, we should have done this a lot more. Yeah. Especially at that stage when both of us had kind of gotten away from each other and then all this all had all this separate uh knowledge and experience that we got in there and it was just like it just like whoa man we're so much better than we used to be last time we did this we thought we were good yeah Yeah. then it was like so it's it's a it's a shame that it never got a chance to uh to to go beyond that but let's talk about the story um it's one of my all-time favorites when we went to india yeah and we come back from india and uh vince wants us to do something entertaining (laughs) yeah so yeah. uh, the the Dudleys are supposed to steal. Actually, it wasn't the Dudleys. It was no, Booker and it was Booker and Goldust. And Goldust that were supposed to steal our clothes. Right. So tell tell what you remember. So about we that. were. So yeah, we get back <laughs> like this crazy like not not a word of a lie here. Just the worst travel day you'd ever terrible. And just, just a crazy. Not the worst trip, yeah, but it wasn't a great trip. It wasn't not a good trip. Yeah. It was not a good trip. So we get back and. Uh, I remember landing in Frankfurt as our layover, which is another eight, nine hour flight after that, by the way. Um, and that was like the halfway point. Oh. I remember getting off that plane and everybody just rushed to McDonald's to get some sort of like, <laughs> food. <yeah. laughs> yeah, so, so then we we jump on on the flight. We I think we we're in Charleston or something. Yeah, like Charleston, that. South yeah. Carolina. So we get there late at night and we get there and we have this text from Brian, Brian saying, yeah, yeah, Vince wants something entertaining tomorrow and this is the deal. And we're like, Man, okay. So we're like basically the threat of the entire show. So we yeah. go out there and, and uh, I think we were going to do a match, screw them over. They were going to end up stealing our clothes and this whole chase was going on. And like, <laughs> how, how are the end? The, the towels got pulled off. Yeah, so, that's right. So then we're we're standing there. The show's live at eight o'clock or nine, whatever time it was. But it was literally eight, like yeah. 30 minutes before we go live. You and I are standing in the hall and all of a sudden Booker gets wheeled past us on a, on a stretcher. stretcher with like an IV in him and we're like what and they're like yeah he just got like super dehydrated from like 
trip and like came down with something and like they were taking him to get looked at. Like he was, he's out, he was not in a good way. So then I think the Dudleys had wrestled on the velocity or whatever the show was they taped beforehand and they were putting the, the Dudleys in their place. And now we had like 25 minutes to get this whole like two or three segment match down and then like the whole thing. So like we're, we're sitting in a room and we're trying to, we're all just kind of throwing ideas around. I remember you just getting up and yelling, okay, every, like, okay, every, stop. everybody, just, everybody just relax. Down. Everybody just calm down. And we're all just sitting there calm. And we all look at you like, um, we're all pretty good here, Chris. And you're like, okay. So we just kind of were like, let's just put a finish together and just call it out there and yeah. see what happens. And that's what we did. And it was like, from what I remember, it was, it was, it was like, good. So, yeah. so then they steal our clothes. And they steal our clothes. Yep. And earlier in the day is when we go through, yeah. you know, they're going to steal our gear bags yeah. and what's in the gear bags. And yeah. there's, you know, and Vince is like, we're going to have women's lingerie in yeah. there. I'm like, what? So like now we're cross-dressers? Well, it's funny. <laughs> How is it funny to have random lingerie yeah. in our bags? Yeah. And then Brian came up with the idea to have ass cream, which was a great call. What the, what exactly is ass cream and what do I you ask. do with it, yeah. might I ask? Yeah. But here's the best part. And I'm still convinced to this day that you were going to go for it because you're such a good company, man. Vince wanted us to go out to the ring wearing towels because all of our gear is stolen. So the whole show, we're walking around in towels trying to find yeah. out where our stuff is. Mm-hmm. And we go to the ring where Bubba's got the stuff yeah. with the ass cream and yep. Spike comes from behind and pulls our towels off. Yeah. Right? And Vince wanted us to be completely naked. Right. Yeah. And then I was, we were like, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and he was like, no, we're not doing it. So no, you're going to go for that? Well, you better go and talk to him then. Yeah, Michael Hayes is like, I heard you don't like something. I'm like, you're fucking right, so I don't like something. So Vince goes, yeah, I heard you don't like something, pal. He's yeah. super nice. I'm like, you, you can't have a stand in there naked. Right. I mean, there's little kids out there. He's yeah. like, what do, you, what do you suggest we do? I'm like, I don't know. Give us nylon yeah. G-strings. Yeah. So we had skin color songs on. And put the little, <laughs> like, dis- uh, the little distortion, distortion thing, thing yeah. over dicks yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. He literally wanted us to be naked yeah. on, on stage. Yeah. And then- uh, so then, yeah, we end up with the skin-colored thongs and uh, the, the pixelation. And then we did something. They, we did the whole thread. And, and uh, there was at one point, too, where I remember we were backstage and I had I was carrying a towel in my hand as well as the one wearing around yeah. the waist. And I threw it or something. Yeah. And you thought it fell off in the, on the live bit. And you were like, <laughs> you looked down at it because you, you didn't realize I had one in my hand. What I remember and is when he stole the towels that I ran off stage and you got lost behind the stage. I went behind the, the thing and they got my silhouette. The silhouette. And I didn't know where to go. Yeah. Bath hat on, like the big bath cap. Yeah, I had the bath cap. That was like the, my only request was like, like, hey, we'll get, yeah, that's fine. I just want a bath cap. Just it's so ridiculous, right? I just want to have a bath cap on. Oh, man. But that's the thing with that chemistry. You could do, yeah. you know, serious or yeah. tough or either way, yeah. whichever way it was, right? Yeah. Just to kind of finish up with WWE, I mean, you grew up in, in Ontario, huge WWE fan, and then there's a time when you become the WWE champion. Yeah. I would say that that's like not overachieving because you obviously are good enough to do it and, and, and deserve it to an extent. Actually, no one deserves anything. You worked your ass right. off and got it. But did you ever think like, holy shit? Because when Vince saw you originally, yeah. creepy little bastard, not exactly his view of what a right. world champion, nor was I. I always took great pride in the fact that I I did it against right. all odds, so to speak. Right. No, and I did overachieve. Yeah. And I take a lot of pride in overachieving, you know, because I had a lot. I willed myself into those spots, and they weren't going to be handed to me or given to me. But you kind of have to give it, 
get to the point where you don't really give them a choice. Right. You know, and you can't deny it. When I w- end up doing the, um, you know, obviously timing is everything as well. Adam got injured, was going to retire. The feel good thing to do was to have me beat Del Rio. I get it. But also everything I'd done up to that point, if it didn't yes. stand up, it wouldn't even be a consideration. Right. So I was all of all the things that I was doing was equity towards that moment, and uh, this is the situation. You make the best of it, and then I went in. And I had did the, the I had the, the the best feud I've ever had in my entire career against Randy, mm-hmm. and proved that I deserve to be on that level, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And and the, that can never be taken away. I willed myself to that spot. I believe it, and um, I like I said, I take a lot of pride in in um, in overachieving because I I definitely one hundred percent did that mm. and I was never supposed to be in those positions that I was in and I got myself to them by sheer will and, and working my ass off and being like I said earlier that workhorse going in there every night like I had a saying in my head and I legit said this to myself every day I walked into the arena for a WWE show whether it was a live event or TV or pay-per-view in my head I get out of my car I grab my bags and I would say to myself today they're going to know how good I am mm. and I'd walk through the doors <laughs> that's the, the mindset that I carried so yeah, and it's funny because when I when I meet people, a lot of people say, "Oh man, you're so underrated." And my and I appreciate hearing that, but my response is, "I'd rather be underrated than overrated." Right. So. Right. Was it hard for you to, to walk away from WWE? Because I know for a while it was hard for me to fathom that. Well, I'd already done. I, like I left in, in 2005, so I kind of knew. That's true. Good you know? point. That's so, true. So like I, I walked away on my own accord at that point in time. And listen, there's. There, at least on my part, there's no ill will. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I don't believe there is on that side either. I needed the best platform for me, and what I could bring to the table at this point in time, and what I felt I could give back, and where I could help the next generation start to to level up and and start to up their game. And I felt like AEW, especially after having that conversation with Tony, was the right fit for me. And I needed to take care of me at this point in time in my life. Last few questions. Who are you looking forward to working with in AEW? Because there's a whole new palette Man. of paint to, uh, yeah. to do your art with. Yeah. I mean, let's let's just talk about the young talent. You know, obviously, you look at a guy like Darby Allen, who's special. You yeah, know, there's awesome. just something about him that's that, that has that cool, you don't know what it is, that it factor. Doesn't have to talk if he doesn't want to, but there's something about him that the fans gravitate towards. Modern day Jeff Hardy. Right. Um, obviously, uh, you know him well, MJF. Mm-hmm. The kid just gets it, man. Yeah. He just gets it. And he's going to be one of those guys where he's he talks so well, his his ring work is going to have to mm-hmm. get to that point Match where it again. matches what, what the things that he says. And I, I believe he's uh, determined to be that top star. And I look forward to seeing where he's going because I think he just gets it. And I, and I appreciate that uh, about him as well. Yeah, man, I just like those two definitely uh, stand out for me. Excited to lock up with Kenny, another fellow. Kenny. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, Kenny. I mean, I mean, it goes without saying that he's been kind of universally regarded as top in ring performer for a little for the last four or five years, going back to the stuff that you guys did in New Japan and, mm-hmm. and even before that. So, you know, and like we said, talking about my style being different than his style, it's just crazy enough to work. Yeah. You know? And, um, but I think that's a, a really intriguing He's match. great at morphing his style, too. Right. You guys yeah. have a great match when the time and it's, comes. And it's, it's one of those things where, to me, that's a real dream match. A match I mean, that. I agree. Like, people never thought I was going to step back in the ring again. Yeah. And, like, did they ever think I was going to step back in the ring and do Here. this with a guy like Kenny Omega? Yeah. You know what I mean? At some point, whenever that does happen. And I think the guys like the Young Bucks, obviously, you know, they're obviously Edge and Christian, Hardy Boys fans, <laughs> right. you know, so be able to do something with them at some point. Uh, will be pretty cool as well, but yeah, there's just there's so much young talent. I know that I'm 
leaving some people out here, but I can't wait to get in there with, with all of them and just kind of, you know, help them just, yeah, get started on this journey. Last question for you. You're starting from scratch, brand new slate. This is Christian, let's say version two. Which is there a favorite match of yours that stands out from 2014 and prior Christian? Uh, you mean as far as like just one that you really enjoy that sticks out? If I said, what's your favorite match you ever had? Yeah, I think the probably the over the limit match against Randy Orton hmm. off the top of my head because we, it, there's it's so hard to do a baby face baby face match and have people and in, fully invest in it. And I think just the story of Randy beating me after losing after this culmination of me taking fifteen sixteen years to win the world heavyweight championship and then him beating me five days later for mm. it. Um, this was my first opportunity to cash in and get my immediate rematch. And like I said, still babyface at this point in time. And it was in Seattle. And I just remember that building. It was like a soccer stadium. Mm -hmm. Half the arena was chanting for him. <laughs> Half the arena was chanting for me. And they were on their feet the entire match. And to me, that also makes a great match. It takes it to a different level. And I just thought the story we told in that match, the pacing of that match, the emotion of the match, the, the finish of the match, the stuff we did after the after the match, like even to the point where I was walking away in the way that they had the camera shot on me, just the look of of uh, just being drained at the end of that, like I left it all out there and it still wasn't enough. To me, that the story that was told there, like you could kind of see the mm -hmm. the switch turning from there, like, okay, now I've got to get a little dirty here to, mm -hmm. um, if I'm going to have a, a chance to win this world title back. And that was kind of the 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 starting point of my heel turn. I just felt like we just told every story and the match backed it up. That to me off the top of my head, that's, that's the one right now. Well, dude, like you said, it's a brand new, uh, a, a brand new era for you. And we're glad to have you in AW. It's going to be awesome. Thanks. You man. Appreciate All it. Right. <laughs> right <at the> <laughs> Sexy beasts. <Yeah. laughs>